You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Hope. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people to hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. Take a shower and then go to bed. And uh, you roll flat every night. Gosh, my hair wakes up and I'm well, like, Madden, no, 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 okay. <laughs> I was like judging you so hard. Just no, I wash my hair twice a week, but whenever I do, I sleep on the wet. So then I always wake up with <laughs> yes, yes, whatever that is. <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> That's my signature. <laughs> Brian really likes it. How many times do you wash your hair? You probably have to wash yours every time you're at work now. Yeah. Now my hair is terrible. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't even think about that. Oh, now brown girl. She'll oh, make us sound girl. good. Hopefully. Me and my big hair. Looks <laughs> great. No hot drinks for you. No, I don't drink coffee or tea. Drink. <laughs> I hope this Water. doesn't have caffeine in it. What are you drinking? Chamomile. That's supposed to make you sleepy, That's isn't it? Cool. Cozy. Yeah. I don't actually know. It's herbal. <laughs> it sounds, it just it sounds, sounds herbal. herbal. It is herbal, I Because I think we planted in the garden, I think. I think it's supposed to be sleepy. I was up the other night to like 3.30 in the morning. Gosh. You don't do caffeine at all? or just? I don't know why I was up. I was so annoyed, though. That is annoying. I want to go to bed at 9 and wake up at 6. <laughs> yeah, me too. I would like to go. <laughs> I aspire to. <laughs> Me too. And that's getting in bed at 8.30. Yeah, right. I want to go like, to sleep at 9. shut at 9 o'clock. I'm asleep. That would be the perfect schedule. When would you that. do anything? When it's winter time and you drive home and it's pitch black. You're like nothing. I'm like a bear who hibernates. <laughs> that's true. Hooga. Like Have you heard of hooga? No. Maybe I'm saying that wrong. I don't, <laughs> I was like, I don't I know what that is. not right, but that might be right. I think it is. Hig. Hig. Oh, right. Hig. You know what I'm talking yep. about, though. What is that? It's lighting candles and having warm blankets. It's embracing oh, the it's dark, depressing <laughs> midnight sky at 530. The Norwegians <laughs> have been doing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that they probably don't uh, say hygge. That's what we call it. <laughs> yes. We're like, winter. light the fake candles with the remote control. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess that's why I like my Christmas tree right now. Yes. Because it's dark. It's dark. And today, Cozy. it's cold. So it's winter. I'm embracing hibernation, hygge, hot tea, fuzzy blankets. <laughs> only way to make it. Oh, and you were teaching swimming lessons and had to go get in your car with wet hair, probably. Uh, I wasn't teaching today, which was good. Yeah, I just took a shower because I've been sick this past weekend. I was like, let me not look like I just came out of bed. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome (laughs) to look like that. (laughs) (laughs) There's a reason why this is not a video. (laughs) Thank God. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine? Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Beth Tina. It's Hope. Tina. Christina. (laughs) We have the privilege of having Christina Wakefield in the podcast studio today. Tonight. It's dark. It's cold. Some of us have hot tea. 
We're so happy that you said yes and you came to get interviewed today. Christina's new to this, so she doesn't even know. I didn't even tell her what questions I was asking her tonight. I'm usually on the ball and send people the questions ahead of time. But not tonight and not with Christina. So she's in for a surprise. Oh, boy. Welcome to the podcast studio. Christina was born in Richmond, Virginia. She is third of four kids. She has two sisters and one brother. Her oldest sister is 12 years older than her, so mm -hmm. she was kind of like the middle child at home. She went to Virginia Tech and studied animal science. What do you learn in animal science? <laughs> do you have to dissect a frog? No, it's a little bit more advanced than that. I dissected a cat. Ooh. <laughs> I had to do a pig in... Yuck. What's that Biology. in high school? Biology. I did that too. Yeah. What kind of cat was it? No. <laughs> like a, an adult cat? Yes, yeah, it was an adult cat in formaldehyde, so it smelled like Sharpie. Oh. It wasn't great. She came to Columbiana in the summer of COVID. Summer of COVID. 2020. She was an intern at Lamp Post Farm, and then she came back and was a livestock manager at the farm from the summer of 2021 through fall of 2023. She met her current fiance. <laughs> that sounds bad. You only have one. Hopefully, you only have one fiance. <laughs> she met her fiance, Luke Holm, at the farm at a dress up party. She was dressed up as a three hole punch oh, and gosh. he was a mummy. Hope was there. Weren't you there? You were. You were dressed yes. up. What were yes, you dressed Brian up and as? I, I dressed as Ina Garden and Brian was Jeffrey. Do you not know who that is? <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer? <laughs> Jeffrey. I don't know who Ina is. The Barefoot Contessa. I oh. don't know who she is either. With the big okay. unibrow? <laughs> what are you talking about? You mean the cook She's lady? Cook. She's not oh, unibrow. Okay. She's fabulous. Hope I am not into the cooking scene. <laughs> you wore a beautiful curly gray wig. <laughs> Anyhow, she must have been one sharp looking three hole punch. Because that's where they met. They got engaged this May, and they're getting married April, April. 2024. Yep. Christina works at the Goldfish Swim School in Wexford. She started working there this fall. What's your favorite age group to teach? I love toddlers. Toddlers are my favorite. Are they in there by themselves or with their parents? Um, it depends. There's two, two and younger are with their parent, and then anything up before after two is they're with me in a class. And that's my favorite age, like two to four-year-olds. They are fun. Oh, so fun. You throw them in? Sometimes! <laughs> <laughs> depends on how comfortable they are in the water. <laughs> as soon as my kids' belly buttons fell off, they were dunked in the water. Oh, good. They've been in the pool. I suggest. She's got a cool apartment in Columbiana. She yep. lives on top of the post office. Marta Aker used to live there. I heard. <laughs> she tells a story about the door slamming really hard. Uh, there was true. like a wind it's tunnel. Nothing has <laughs> in her free time, she enjoys puzzles, cooking new recipes, reading. She likes self-help and faith-based books. What's your newest recipe that you made? I just made a mac and cheese for Thanksgiving. Ooh, is it special or just normal? Just normal. And we also made stuffed mushrooms. Luke and I made stuffed mushrooms, which was a first. I and mean, we weren't sure how I was going to go over with the Perkins because the Perkins oh. are picky eaters. So we were <laughs> so concerned. <laughs> no. <laughs> but they were really good. I'm I sure, thought they were really I'm good. I'm sure Kate didn't eat any of them. I'm not sure she didn't <laughs> at all. 
She's been coming to the upper room since. Did I ask uh, you I don't this? think you asked me that. It was probably, oh boy, fall of 2022. She's been teaching senior high Sunday school mm -hmm. since the summer. Yes. Has it been that long? Yeah, gosh. I know. Yeah. Jaden really loves her class with Jenna, so that's been a lot of fun. And we're excited to learn more about you today. Yay. Christina, who or what turned your light on? I guess we'll go back to when I was a kid. I grew up in a single family household and with my mom. My parents divorced when I was really like a young kid. And I went to I went to church with my mom. We went on Sundays and Wednesdays. I mean we I went to everything you could imagine at my church growing up. But at that point I would say I didn't really have a personal relationship with the Lord. I was just going because my family was going. Things were not melded into my heart the way that they should have been. This is like a hard story to tell sometimes. When I graduated high school, I like wanted to go to Virginia Tech. That was like my dream school since I was 10 because they had a veterinary program and I wanted to be a vet since I was like four. So I knew the path that I wanted to go on. And But I had undiagnosed ADHD throughout my whole life, so I got terrible grades in like middle school and high school. And so when I applied to college that fall, I didn't get into Virginia Tech my first time around. So I had to attend community college for a year where I was diagnosed my senior years with ADHD, got on medication, went to community college and got straight A's for the first time in my life. I was like, wow, I'm actually smart. I didn't actually know <laughs> yeah. that. I just, my grades never represented that I was smart. And things were great. And so then I got into Virginia Tech the second time that I applied and I was really excited to go off to school. And then things kind of got off the wrong track after that. I got into a relationship with a guy right before I left for school. He was living in Richmond. I was attending school in Blacksburg, which is about three hours away. This is my first time being away from home. I went to college and was prepared to go to classes and do what I need to do, but I was very distracted with the boyfriend that I had back home. I was long distance. That fall, I also lost my virginity to him. And that's a lot of part of my story when it goes later on down the line, but I wasn't planning on it. I wanted to stay a virgin until I got married, but when you're out of your home for the first time, you're like trying to find who you are and you don't have a relationship with, with the Lord, it, things just get out of hand. And so that's a very sad moment of my life when I look back on it, but the Lord redeems all those things. I ended up flunking out of school and dated two different guys. I dated two different guys in that period of my life. I failed out of school twice in that time, in a span of three years. At that point in my life, I guess we'll like flash forward. So I went, I started school at Virginia Tech the fall of 2015, and now it's like the summer of 2018. So three years have gone by. I've dated two people that I wasn't supposed to date, and my current boyfriend, I wasn't going anywhere with that. And so the summer of 2018 was really when things kind of turned around for me. I uh, had these like unconscious thoughts before going back to school because my mom told me she was like you know like this is your like last opportunity to get it right for she tech or they're going to kick you out and i was like well this is my dream school this is like what i want to always wanted to do these like i call them as like unconscious thoughts became very like conscious thoughts and basically at the moment i didn't see that at the moment but looking back on it it's like okay that was like the Holy Spirit talking to me and like guiding me through this process. And the question, I mean, the things were like, what are you doing? Like, why are you dating this guy that you're not going to get married to? Why are you like living with him? Why are you flunking out of school? This, this is your dream to go here. What are you doing with your life? And I was like, yeah, what am I doing with my life? 
I was like, okay, I guess I need to like make a change. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make a change. I went back to school and broke up with my boyfriend, was getting prepared to go back to school and was doing all of the things I needed to do. I was going to class. I was like doing everything I needed to do. Fun fact, they don't give you money to go back to school <laughs> if you flunked out twice. <laughs> so I was basically paying for school out of pocket for that semester. And that's like thousands and thousands of dollars. At that point, I needed to pay, I think, in order for me to pay at least tuition plus my rent that I was paying, I had to make like $2,000 a month. And that wasn't with like insurance or groceries or gas or anything like that. That was like the basic minimum. And I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm only in school part time. I'll find like a full time job and, and like make it work. So I tried a whole bunch of different things. I tried like getting all these different jobs. I found another job, but they weren't giving me enough hours. I didn't want to go back to my old job that I was having because that's where my ex-boyfriend was. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I like can describe as the like these doors kept shutting on me about like financial things. Like I went to the bank and asked for a personal loan, but you can't use a personal loan to pay for school. I was like, where am I going to get this money from? They're going to pull $2,000 out of my bank account and I don't have any money. Not, not whatsoever. I probably have 20 bucks to my name. So at that point, also seeing through how the Lord's leading me, when I first went to school in 2015, I kind of got connected to a student ministry called Kayafa. They had been sending me emails throughout my time when I was those three years. So I was like, okay, well, like, let me give them a shot. They have like a cookout. Let me go to the Kayafa house and have a cookout. It's not a sorority or fraternity. I always have to make sure that people know that it's not a sorority and a fraternity. It used to be called Christ Ambassadors and changed to Kayafa. Anyways. No Christian hazing. No, none of that. I went to a cookout and I met this wonderful girl named Allison and she just like talked to me the whole night and we had very similar backgrounds and similar stories. She was from Richmond and she grew up in the Missionettes program, which is a basically like Girl Scouts for church. And that's the program that I grew up in my church and it's just very similar stories. So she was like, well, hey, like, why don't you join my small group? And I was like, okay, cool. So like I started doing that. I just was like, I felt like in my whole life, I was like, okay, these are the things that I can control. This is the things that I can do. So I'm doing all the right things. I'm checking the right boxes off. I'm getting straight A's in school. I'm going to class. I'm doing this Jesus thing, but like my heart's not in it. And obviously the Lord saw that. I'm like on the day that the, the bill was due, I like go to a Kayafa service freaking out and like I haven't told anybody what's going on with me and one of my life group leaders came up to me and she was like can I pray for you and I was like sure whatever you think's gonna help I mean I don't know she comes and prays for me and she starts to say these things that I've like never told her I couldn't even tell you what she said now but like she told me things that like were going on in my life that I hadn't told anybody and I was like just began like weeping and I was like how do you know these things how do you know these things I sit down and I'm weeping and then like the sermon comes up and I don't even remember what the sermon was about. I was just kind of in my own state of mind. We had an altar call that night and I went down and was still like weeping and crying and crying. And my other life group leader, Erin, came up to me and she was like, can I pray for you? And I was like, sure. And she's like, actually, I want you to pray. And I always tell people like, this is the most embarrassing part of my story because I don't really like how my first prayer with the Lord went at that <laughs> point. But it was very raw and real. I kind of actually think it's great. But I was very angry. The prayer that it kind of went like, God, I don't know what you want from me. I'm like doing all the things you're telling me to do. I'm going to class. I'm going, getting straight A's. I broke up with my boyfriend. I'm doing this thing that you want me to do. I don't know what else you want from me. And all I could hear was, 
you haven't surrendered your life to me yet. You haven't like given me your life. And can you do that? And I was like, yes, take it from me. Take it. Like I, I, I want you. I need you. I need you in my life. I, I absolutely need you. And I could, all I could describe was there's a sudden peace over me about my situation. It was like, okay, if money is going to come along, this is the path that I'm going to go down and go to school and graduate. If money doesn't come along, that means something else. The Lord's got my life. He's, he's going to figure it out. It's no longer in my control. It's in his control. I was talking to my mom. I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, mom, I like gave my life to the Lord. I'm just really excited. And I was like, but I have no clue what I'm going to do. The money's being taken out of my account. I don't know what's going on. And she's like, well, why don't you like talk to your grandparents? And I was like, why? They don't even like me. Well, I mean, (laughs) they do like me. But at that point, my relationship with my grandparents was not great. My grandparents are... Yeah, they they love the Lord. They've been missionaries for years. They, I mean, they're the most steadfast people that I know. At that point, I was like, we did not have a relationship. I was like, well, why would they send me $2,000 to get school going? I emailed my grandparents, emailed them, and they ended up calling me, and I told my whole testimony, and they're like, we'll send you the first paycheck for school. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Get a check in the mail. And that was just for one month. So I had to provide for another four months, and they ended up paying for the rest of the time that I was at school. And there's this over and over again, I just saw the Lord's goodness when it came to financial situations in my life. Well, my first semester back when I was paying out of pocket for school, I told my roommate one time, I was like, yeah, sometimes I just I just go to bed because I, I don't have any food because I don't have enough money, and I am just go to bed hungry because I'd rather go to bed hungry than have to like sit up and be hungry and so she ended up Venmoing me like 20 bucks to get groceries one time and my Chi Alpha small group sent me a care package one time my my mom's small group at church one of her members they were like looking for a way to provide for someone they ended up paying my rent one month I mean it was just over and over and over again that I saw like miraculous things with financial situations happen after that I first year back in school I ended up becoming a life group leader through Chi Alpha for my last two years in school. It was great. I ended up graduating, loved my life in college. I also came to do the lamp, the internship at Lamppost, which also created a huge impact on my life as a Christian and changed my future a lot, a lot, a lot. That's a lot to unpack there. Gosh. <laughs> So you graduated and then came to Lampost? I came to Lampost the summer of 2020. Then I had another year left of school. So then I went back to school and then came back to Columbiana as the livestock manager in 2021. Okay. So if you drive down Route 7, you probably have seen Christina. <laughs> yes. <laughs> on the tractor. Yes. Or chasing cows or moving chicken coops. Well, I was going to say chicken bins. What do you call them? <laughs> chicken coops. People see me all the time. Talk to us about your undiagnosed ADHD. Did you feel like when you were a kid, like, did you know things were hard or you just, that's how you were, so you didn't even think about it? Problem was, uh, my my grandmother specialized in, like, helping kids with developmental disabilities, and so she saw something in me, and so I got tested in elementary school for it, but at the same time, that's when my parents were getting divorced, so my teacher was like oh she's just distracted because her parents are getting divorced but then like from i would say that was like third grade who i hated my third grade teacher so i don't know why they ended up doing it then anyways from third grade to like my senior year 
my mom would be like, you have so much potential and you just like don't tap into it. And I'm like, I don't know how to tap into this potential. <laughs> I don't know. It was just really, really hard to focus. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I always think it's just so funny, but maybe you remember these commercials. I don't know if you remember these commercials. Rune 5. Are you leads. saying that I'm old? Is I'm that what you're saying? saying? I, I don't think, know. I think that was the age cut right there, <laughs> Christina. <laughs> Adam Levine. He had a commercial on TV about how he had ADHD and it helped his songwriting, all this stuff. And he, and I've seen that commercial like millions of times. And then one day I actually paid attention to the commercial and what he was saying. And I was like, wait, I have all these different things that he's talking about. Maybe I should get checked for, for ADHD. ADHD. And so then my mom was like, you know, you were tested for it when in third grade and now you're like working and you're going to school and you have things at church. Like there's so many different environments that you have now. Let's get you retested. I got retested my senior year and the doctor was like, yeah, you, you, you definitely have it. And I went through the process of getting on medication, which is a really hard and long process because it's kind of like a shot in the dark when you get on to Adderall and stuff like that because they don't know how much to diagnose. So there was many like sleepless nights. Like I was up all night long because I was like on a way big dose and my doctor was like cut back a lot. It was just a lot to go through. I remember there was a specific Thanksgiving. My first Thanksgiving that I had when I was had the Adderall, we say five things that we're thankful for every Thanksgiving. And I said that I was thankful for my diagnosis and that I had Adderall because I was actually making straight A's. My sister says to me, she's like, it's not fair that you get to pop a pill and you get straight A's. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> I just pop a pill and magically it shoots out straight A's. You know, there's still like, I have to, I still have to like get to the task first, but it helps me to like stay focused on that task for longer periods of time. It's also been a journey since coming away from college and like being like, I don't need to be focused 10 to 12 hours out of the day like it was in college. Like now I'm like cutting back. I'm actually finding a little bit more things that are more natural versus on the Adderall because I'm currently not taking the Adderall anymore because I don't know how it's going to be. I don't know the long-term effects of it. I also like if and when I get pregnant, like I don't want that to have any effect on my child or breastfeeding or anything like that. And so it's been kind of a journey now to find what's working, what works well for me now. At first I thought I was okay not taking it medication and then I went back on it for a little bit and now I'm trying other different methods as well. I've read that most women don't get diagnosed until they're in their mid-30s. Wow. Because they present so much differently than young boys. Yeah. And so I just thought that was really interesting. Yes. And I should clarify, I don't have the hyperactivity. It's just the... ADD? <laughs> yeah, it's just the inattentiveness. <laughs> they, they change those letters around all the time. Yes, it's now you have to say it's ADHD because it's all under one umbrella. Right, right. But I'm like, please, people don't think that I'm hyperactive because I'm the opposite <laughs> of hyperactive. <laughs> I wasn't running around on the playground. I was like, can I go take a nap and not focus on school? That's what yeah. I want to do. So when you were growing up and your mom was taking you to church, did she talk to you about it or is it just something that you went to church or was it a part of your family and was faith important? Yeah, faith is, was definitely important. And I will say this, she's one of the people that really reads her Bible every single day. Like, that's that's who she is. Like, you'll always find her on her chair reading her Bible every single morning. It wasn't just 
like, like a lifestyle thing. She mm-hmm. definitely loved the Lord and wanted her children to be to grow up there. And I would say that had an impact on my on my faith now that I'm here. Like now where I am in my faith now, it's like I'm so glad that I had that foundation with my mom and going through, you know, I went through that mission that's program. So I learned like memorized Bible verses and learned a lot of foundational things about the faith. And then I was a part of youth group, which was a big part of my life because being under different people, like having small groups, having Sunday school with the youth had an impact on my life. And I met a lot of friends there, but it just wasn't really, and I went to different retreats as well. It was more emotional-based faith, I would say. Like, if I was feeling it, then that was cool. (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it besides it was emotional. But now it's based, it's just, it's steadfast for me. Now it's just so different than it was when I was in high school. Well, I love hearing people's stories about when they grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian home. I'm raising my kids in a Christian home. But there are times when I'm like, I think I was an adult. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> before I was like, okay, I need this myself. Yes, <laughs> You know, like it wasn't anything. I didn't reject it, but it definitely, I used to tell my mom, it's your fault. My childhood was so good that <laughs> my childhood <laughs> seems so rough. What a stupid thing to say. But, you know, I just find it interesting. Like even when I see some of our women who bring their grandkids here mm-hmm. and they don't you know, maybe they just come once a month with their grandma. I just think we can never underestimate the impact that that's making oh, on yes. kids' lives. Because we've interviewed so many people who are like, yeah, I was raised in a Christian home and it didn't take. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, it didn't take for a while until I decided I wanted it to be my own. And, you know, I think all of us who are raising kids, like, that's not what we want their testimony to be. We want them to be like, <laughs> yeah, of course kneeling at the feet of Jesus when they're five and not get (laughs) up from there. But I just think the power of parents' prayers and just Mm -hmm. inviting people to church or, you know, teaching them songs when you're little that you remember, it does make a difference and it's important because when you're raising kids, you're like, does this even matter? (laughs) Yeah. My church is huge. way bigger than the upper room was but we used to have like children's sundays and this was back i guess way long ago i was probably probably in the early 2000s that seems long ago to me but anyways they passed out all the names of the kids to the church and had random by randomly and someone came up to me that had been in my church for years well several years ago and she was like i have your name from when they passed out their kids names at church and i've been it's on my refrigerator it's always been in my refrigerator i pray for you every single day and i was like that is like Aww. the sweetest thing like 20 that. years later that she's still praying for me you know that's like really awesome it has been very impactful too yeah. so how did your life i mean you talked about god really being faithful and meeting your needs financially Mm -hmm. but how else did your life shift when you were able to surrender well i mean now it was more like the perspective definitely changed i would say like it became more of an eternal perspective on my life and that meant really like reaching out to my friends and family because at that point my brother who grew up very similar to me he was also going through the same thing that i was going through and he was going to college and doing but he was doing more of the college things than i would say that i would have done so like drinking and partying and all those different things he was also a d1 athlete so there is also the things that come with that but i was able to talk with him a couple several years ago he was going through a crisis and going through the things that I was going through and I was able to kind of talk him through and be like, you know what you need to do. 
I see that you know what you need to do. And he eventually gave his life, a couple days later, gave his life to Christ after that. Yeah, I mean, it just became, I was more on like, I want people to be there in heaven with me that who are here with me on earth. And that means having conversations with people and my friends who maybe don't believe. It was easier to talk to them about things like that, too. But also feeling like the redeeming love of God. Because I had like lost my virginity early on, I was really nervous about that being an impact on one of my future dating relationships, especially with somebody who I wanted to marry. But seeing how the Lord just like covers that and covers me has been awesome. I mean, going through all of that. Did you grow up in the purity cult? What do they call that? Purity culture. Yeah. But the whole like I kissed dating goodbye. That book was on my promise rings. Show. Yeah, I mean, okay, listen, I'm going to the Jonas Brothers concert this weekend <laughs> and they used to wear promise <laughs> purity rings. <laughs> Um, kind of, sort of. That's been a huge journey for me. The purity thing has been a big, huge journey for me because it was like, I kind of have a passion for like trying to tell teenagers straight up like what sex really means and how the Lord created it because I felt like when I was growing up, it was like from school, it was like, if you have sex, you're going to get all these diseases and you're going to die. It's like, okay, cool, but I'm never going to have sex because I'm going to die or end up pregnant. And then from the church, it was just like, don't have sex or you're going to hell. I mean, that was it. That's all I was told. And so it was like, when I was an adult, and now that I'm an adult, and when I went to college and had sex, I was like, this is not what it is. I just have a passion to like tell teenagers like how much of a human, like a tie it is, and how much like it's supposed to be with a husband and wife. And I went to a, I don't know, like, relationship weekend is what they call it in Chi Alpha. And we learned a lot about relationships and I remember my Chi Alpha pastor talked about how sex was supposed to be and how sex was created. And I was like, if someone had told me that when I was 14, things would have been way different now. <laughs> like it was actually described to me for the first time and like not holding back, you know, like all the de details, because I think it's, you got to be honest with people, especially nowadays in our culture, to be honest with kids about what's going to happen. Well, there's been a lot of backlash with the purity culture mm -hmm. from the 90s, I guess, 80s, 90s, 2000s. I always felt like they put such an emphasis on don't screw up because if you screw up, you're going to be ruined forever. Right. forever. Yeah. yeah, and I, God does redeem mm -hmm. people and redeem those circumstances. And I'm like, I just felt like they gave too much power to that. Yeah. And then I'd, I'd hear so, so many of my friends that were like, it was like, sex is bad, sex is bad. Right. And then they get married and they're like, supposed to turn it on and they yeah. couldn't, you know, like they had all this headspace, yes. like head trash that, oh, last week it was bad and I was going to hell. And this week now I need to right. turn it on and make that shift. Define sex too. Those murky waters. <laughs> you know, the, it's gross. You're just going to get a disease or get pregnant. Yes. Like They're missing out on some of the things that they didn't tell <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then kids figure it out. They're like, oh. Yeah, so but, I just wish it was more honest about what it's actually like. Instead of scaring kids out of yeah out of it because I, I felt like that I was scared of sex for a long time I couldn't imagine if I was still like sex is bad now and then I getting married to Luke and I'm like now I'm supposed to think that it's good what's what's going on I don't know well I also think the church is terrible about mm. talking about it there's a lot of shame that comes yes. along with it in the church culture that the world doesn't carry so much shame 
it seems like it's very cumbersome to a lot of people. Definitely. Like that the church, the big church, not necessarily yeah. any particular church, but there's so much shame in it mm-hmm. that people don't want to talk about it. And then if they do talk about it, it's like, then my kids are going to start having sex. It's like, no, that's not the intention. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was at catechism, I think I was in fourth grade, the priest's he told us, he was talking about mortal sins, and he said, French kissing is a mortal sin. What? And I was like, I hope I haven't done that yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't even know what it was. Well, I'm really grateful that you are willing to teach Sunday school to our senior high mm. kids. And that's a mixed group, right? There's boys and girls, or is it mostly yes. girls? There's boys and girls, yeah. and it's also sixth graders up to seniors. Oh, so. all in one room. Yeah, it's been quite that's a short. Oh, yeah. How large of a group are you teaching? It could be off to like 15 sometimes. It depends on the week. So tell us, Christina, what lights you up? One of the things that lights me up, I would say, is I love talking to people about our food system. Really, it's just like learning a lot from Lampost really like lights me up to talk about it. Uh, I would say that when I went to school for animal science, I learned a lot about, you know, your big food system overall, like how it is, how you get the stuff to the grocery stores from the farm to the grocery stores. I usually call it, it's like called big ag, basically. It's what's called big agriculture companies. So the people like Purdue, you guys know, you've seen in this grocery store and Tyson. They don't um, let their chickens walk around. They don't let their chickens walk around. They're all inside. Yeah. Anyways. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just getting pumped with antibiotics. Yes. Actually, no. No? Do they no. know? No. Actually, the... Steroids? What is it? It's none of that, actually, because they're not allowed to do that with chickens. Because they only live for six weeks. Well, they've been breeding them for the last, I would say, 60 years. They've been chosen to be bigger-breasted birds. So that's how we got to where we are today. But as a result of that, they can only live for six weeks. They can barely walk around. (laughs) Their hearts fail most of the time because of the result of the the growth. Wait, when you say they can only live for six six weeks, like that's it? Or they just get killed? (laughs) They get killed in the system at six weeks. Okay. At Lampost, we killed them at eight weeks because it took them a little bit longer because they were on pasture and on grain. But literally, if you take them past, like it's inhumane to take them past that point because when they get to six to eight weeks, they can't even walk around anymore because they're so heavy. So their legs are not built for that much meat. You're saying all chicken, all chickens? <laughs> Just your your Cornish crosses. Which is what you find in the grocery store. The ones that are so just... So if I'm buying like tenderloins or breasts, that's all Cornish whatever? Yes. But the ones like, you know, if you write down round seven and yeah. see the, the egg layers that, that lampposts, those are different kind of birds that don't grow as quickly. They have a smaller breasted bird. They can get around and they can forage and they can they live a lot longer because they're not bred to like get a bigger breast because that's what the industry has wanting us to do is to okay. breed for the bigger breast because that's what the cons- customer wants. Chicken breast is like the highest demand in our country right now so like that's what they're doing as a result so that's affected like all chickens everywhere yes not just yes because nobody yes. wants flies <clears throat> no no one wants the dark oh, meats <laughs> such an fascinating i feel like i don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist but oh, I'm like, I'm... i think they're trying to kill us with our food our you're food not a conspiracy theorist <laughs> because that's i that's what i was gonna say like the things that we are led to believe about our food system, I think, has drawn... Gosh, I'm going to be so out there, and people are going to come and hate me, I feel like. We'll just cut it out. I, hope, I don't know. <laughs> this, is, this is the stuff that lights me up. I love talking to people about this, because obviously our food system is all connected with the big, big pharma system and the medical world. So, yeah, of course, they're going to feed us 
things that are trash so that we can go get prescriptions to pay for the big pharma companies. It's all a big, huge circle, basically. But I believe that the Lord made our food system to be good and to heal us and to, to prevent disease. I don't think that He made it to be a bad thing. And so I just think that humans have messed it up a little bit, especially in the last... As we do with most. <laughs> hundred years, I'm like... But yeah, like I was saying, like, like, it was designed to heal our bodies, and because since humans have messed it up as we have all as we have with lots of things but i think that our culture now is trying to get back to that i mean places like lampos especially are trying to get back to treating the animals with care and, and raising them the right the way that they were supposed to be raised we read a book called uh, the marvelous pigness of pigs by joel salatin it's a great book but it just talks about how animals were created and, and things that on their bodies that were created to do different things like pigs they weren't designed to live in a house they were designed their snouts to dig and root for vegetables and root around and interact with humans not to live in a building and next to pigs their whole life because in your big ag system they end up cutting the tails off of all the pigs because the when they're confined in a space like that, that pigs will act out and become aggressive. But if they're given a lot of an hour space, they don't dock their tails out at lamppost because they're given the simulation outside to go explore, to go do things rather than just sit in a building all day long and eat. So when you think about your future with Luke, on the homestead, oh, go house on the prairie. Like, <laughs> what's in your heart bit. about that? Are you a gardener? Kind of, sort of. I do want to start a homestead with Luke, grow a lot of our food from the land, which means I'll probably have to be a bit more of a gardener than I am now. I can barely get the plants in my apartment to grow, <laughs> which is not good. But I mean, like, cause Luke has his background of his family did a lot of gardening and the Wellmans did flowers and things like that. So he, I think, will do most of that part. And I'll do probably the animal part. I want to have a dairy cow. I want to have some chickens. I really want a pig even though they kind of root everything up like they're created to do, but I do still want a pig. But I want my kids to grow up with that and never get the idea that chicken just comes from the grocery store. Like, really having them be a part of the process of this is where it comes from. This is how we raise it. This is how we kill it. This is how it provides for us and gives us, like, necessary nutrients for our bodies and stuff like that. You know, like, I think it's really important for them to see death because that's a part of life. For them to see it in a real way when it comes to, like, eating our food and stuff like that. So, well, growing up on a cattle ranch, my grandparents had a cattle ranch. Oh, yeah. And Monica and I found out we were eating Bert and Ernie, our little calves. <laughs> oh, no. Still a very sad process. Cows are a little bit different for me than chickens. <laughs> Cows are a lot harder. In a grass fed based system, they finish out about two years. They can live like a lot longer than that. I mean, if you have a bunch of females that you want, on your farm to produce babies for that and then you keep them around i just went to a cattle show i guess you want to call it it was the red devon association which is the cattle breed that lamppost raised i went to a conference i guess it was last fall and i met a 20 how old was this cow it was 20 28 years old and had just had a calf that year i was like this cow Whoa. is older than me this is crazy <laughs> and she was in beautiful condition it was awesome to see that farming is hard work oh, and yes. your work is never done mm, yes <laughs> yeah definitely hard you work. definitely have to be committed <laughs> to the yes. lifestyle it's 24 7 365 yep. yeah how much land do you need to do like a mini homestead like just you and Luke, like 
an you don't, acre, two yeah, acres? Yeah, an acre. I mean, I think there's a book out there that says, like, something about living off of one acre or something. You can live off of one acre, I'm pretty sure. But if I want a cow, I think it's going to be a little bit bigger than that. It needs, it needs to eat and have some space. How are you letting your light shine? Yeah, like Beth mentioned, teaching Sunday school, which has been a joy to do because it's so like I think the culture the youth culture here was is very different than what I grew up with and the youth here I think are so 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 passionate for for the Lord and I see that and I'm like oh my gosh that's so awesome and I can, you can really see it in their hearts and it's like really cool to see for me it was really with the mainly the high schoolers but the middle schoolers too but I really wanted them to get solidified in who they were and what they believed in before they go off and go to college or go off and do a gap year, go off and do whatever they wanted to do and really be solidified in what they believe in because not in order to like prevent them from going through what I went through, but in a way of being a light in the world. Like I want to pass that on to them. But also I would say that I started a new job in the fall and unlike working at Lampos, which is a ministry, it's very different from that. (laughs) And it's in Pennsylvania, so it's a little bit different in that sense of way too but i was telling luke the other day i was like oh my gosh i just really want to find a best friend at my job and like really spread my light to them i guess you could say because when i worked at a swim school back in virginia i met one of my best friends nicole there and began talking to her and she grew up in a christian household but wasn't really practicing her faith and so like when she her and i met we were kind of just became instant best friends and you know she ended up asking lots of questions just really liked being around me, which was awesome. And I wouldn't, I don't know if she's technically given her life back to the Lord yet, but like I just met someone who was really cool. And so, like, I really want to do that again at my new job. It's going to take some time. I, le- I work with a lot of teenagers, so it's a bit different, but I'm hoping to find someone who I can connect with there and become friends with them. And that's really been the, like, the call of my life, though is I make really good friends with people first and then they realize that I'm a Christian and they're like, oh, like then they want to have like these conversations about it and they tell me different things and it's been really cool to see that over my life. What are you most looking forward to about being married? Oh gosh, lots of things. I'm really excited to start a family. I'm really excited to live and be with Luke. It's going to be awesome. And it feels like we're kind of in this transition period as a couple. I can't wait for us to like, I feel like if it's like really bad for me to say, I'm like start my life, but it's like, I really am looking forward to us starting a life together and for him to pursue the things that he loves and seeing him grow in his writing and going back to school possibly and things like that. I really want a dog. I'm really excited <laughs> to get a dog. <laughs> Do you have any supernatural stories that you want to share with us? Let's see, it's my senior year of college, and I was a small group leader. So at that point, small group leaders, you have to meet up with each one of your members of your small group at least once every couple weeks. And I also have a co-leader as well. So my co-leader and two of my small group members in my in my group live together in the same house. On separate occasions, each one of them told me that they had like some stuff going on in the house like they could feel like a sensation in the house like one time she was like i woke up in the middle of the night i saw like a shadow in the corner and i was like okay and then that one girl was like i'm like scared to turn off the lights at night and i'm like maybe we should live in this house (laughs) and basically 
for me, that's supernatural in a sense that, like, I don't know what was going on in the apartment complex. I don't know what's going on, like, because they live in an apartment complex. I don't know if they, like, the people below, above them or below them were doing some stuff or, like, the last tenant was doing some stuff in that apartment. And so, like, one time, one of the girls was having a really hard time and she just need to get out of the apartment. And so she came over to my house. Me and one of the other small group girls was at my house and we just began like praying and praying and praying and playing worship music. And she ended up sleeping over at my house that night because she just couldn't sleep at home. I got into really looking into kind of that stuff because she, that life group member was really nervous about like, well, what if like there's like a demon inside of me? And like, I got really into like researching it and researching like like how could that even be possible if you like are a Christian and you know that topic kind of came up I told her I was like Lexi you could never have that because you have Christ in you you could have something tormenting you on the outside but it cannot physically live in you if you believe in Christ when your leader was praying for you and she yeah had a word of knowledge that she was mm -hmm. saying things that you're like how do you even know this about me yeah was that your first experience with someone having a word of knowledge or praying prophetically over you yes but also i mean i guess this is probably the story i probably should have told in the beginning to be honest because this has been like the call of my life <laughs> i wasn't born yet when my mom was pregnant with me i was turned the wrong way in my mom's belly Somehow, like, her small group ended, ended up coming over and, like, praying for me because, like, obviously there's complications, as you guys know, if the baby's born the wrong way. They prayed for me, and then somehow I think my mom, either she was in the hospital at that point or about to give birth to me, the doctor came in and was like, wow, she just, like, turned herself around. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> and someone gave a prophetic word over my life saying since, like, the Lord turned me around that I would be able to turn other people's lives around towards Christ. So that was like that probably the, that's a great that's word. a good story. Yeah, I mean, that was the that was the start of my life. So, but then at that time, the lady prayed over me was probably the first time something prophetic was spoken over me. Yes, and she continued to do that. It was so funny. Like the second time she prayed for me in that way was the next summer we were at leaders retreat and she prayed over me and mentioned that prophecy i was given to as a baby and she didn't know the prophecy and she was saying it i was like what is going on <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. well christina it's been really fun having you on our show and getting to know more about you and yes. we're looking forward to watching you and luke start your life together and homestead and settle down yeah. in northeast ohio and your ohio flag <laughs> <laughs> make sure you tune in next week for another special guest bye bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>